this company, Hanrein, um, it has five concessions in Ecuador. Um, I should just start actually by saying, just to covering briefly the overall picture of Australian mining companies in Ecuador. Australia is um, one of the biggest investors in this small <laughs> South American country for copper. Um, and that copper is mainly uh, going to be for the renewables um, transition. So it's, you know, the copper price has gone up crazily in the last couple of years um, because of its demand. So a few Australian mining companies are in there. Um, uh, of course, about six, uh, yeah, six or seven different companies. Um, one of these is um, Hanrein, which is a subsidiary of Hancock Prospecting, um, <laughs> meaning that Gina Reinhardt owns majority shares in this company. It's privately listed, so you can't find it anywhere on the stock market. Um, but, yeah, they're basically... Um, one of the competitors in in this um, region, which is also one of the most biodiverse regions in the world and has um, communities and Indigenous people who haven't given consent for that mining. And so there has been a significant amount amount of resistance to the mining operations and even from some uh, local elected official, officials and, of course, the, the townspeople themselves. Can you tell us a bit about that resistance and how long has there been a, a movement in opposition to Hanrein's uh, proposed uh, activities? Uh, cool. So Hanrein, um, like most of the other, <laughs> uh, over... Uh, in 2017, about a third of the total landmass of Ecuador was sold to various transnational mining companies. So Hanwan was part of that concession, that wave of companies coming in and snapping up land. Um, and the conflict started pretty much straight away when, um, because there, as well as copper in that region, uh, there is gold. And as soon as Hanwan announced that, um, there was potential to be exploration for gold and copper. Um, there was a kind of a gold rush. <laughs> so there was a lot of illegal mining came suddenly into the area. Um, there was bringing with it organised crime and, and um, all kinds of other nasty things. Um, uh, Gina Reinhart <laughs> was not very happy about this, having all this happen in her concession. So they um, basically... Uh, got the Ecuadorian government to send in the military and clean out all the illegal mining, which also caused a lot of disturbance for the local communities um, who are mostly farmers <laughs> who are trying to you know, cope with all this descending on their land. Um, in April this year, so yeah, last year was a bit of a non-year for mining because of COVID, but this year um, Hanrein decided it wanted to come in and start explorations. So in April, they, um, the community had been resisting the mining quite publicly prior to that. So Hanrein decided that the best way to come in would be to block the road, the only access road in and out of the community, which is a very steep, winding mountain road. If you can think this is in the, you know, the high Andes, it's incredibly precipitous country. Access is really difficult at the best of times. So they set up camp, they blocked the road with their with their mining vehicles, they camped by the side of the road and wouldn't let anyone in and out until the community said they could they could enter. So yeah, so that happened and then the community got got a whole bunch of human rights organizations on board and they made an appeal 
and they asked for a legal injunction um, which ruled that the mining company had to leave because they were committing human rights violations. Um, the mining company didn't leave. They unblocked the road, but they stayed camped in the area. And then last week, it all kind of got to a head when they tried to force their way into town again to, 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 to basically you know, create a depot for their exploration activities. Um, and, yeah, there was some violence and a community member got stabbed. Um, and it should be added that the community have been doing peaceful resistance. There wasn't any violence whatsoever towards the mining companies or to police. Um, and, yeah, and then three days ago, which is what kind of precipitated our latest kind of desperate urge to get media out on this, was that um, Hamline again tried to enter and they um, brought, they hired 500 mil- armed military police with tear gas and so these police then tear gassed um, the residents of this town of about 2,000 people um, who were basically just um, kneeling on the road praying at 3 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah, that's pretty much... I mean, uh, it is absolutely shocking to hear, and I, and I guess for many of our listeners, unfortunately, though, they perhaps won't be shocked knowing that some of these mining companies act with such impunity, uh, particularly in places where they feel like they can get away with it. Uh, you did mention there there have been some, uh, I guess, wins in sort of Ecuadorian uh, courts. Uh, what what sort of measures beyond the on the ground the people, you know, quite bravely resisting these, uh, you know, this barbaric sort of a, a attack on their on their land or on their town? What other means are, have activists and locals been been taking to try and uh, stop Hanrein from conducting this mining operation? Cool. So um, at the moment, the main thing they're doing is they're um, trying to get into the um, Human Rights Commission of the National Assembly, um, which made a visit actually on Friday. We haven't heard back about that yet, but they, they visited the town of Buenos Aires um, and, and, and just you know did some documentation. They're making videos. They're trying to get human rights organisations all over the world actually to not just in Ecuador to take notice because it is... Um, you know, it's a situation that unfortunately is becoming increasingly emblematic of these mining companies that are so desperate to come in and um, take land and do this with, with absolutely no consent and sometimes in quite violent ways uh, because of this, you know, incredible rising copper prices. So, um, yeah, so that's basically, and, and I mean, they've asked, been asking, I mean, we're the sort of a bunch of Australians that they're in contact with, so they've been asking, look, look you know, get it out in Australia. Like, let the Australians know what's happening because, um, you know, we need to know what our mining companies are doing here <laughs> overseas. That, you know, and there's very little oversight of that, which is another story. Um, yeah, and the other way, which hasn't been done with Hanline yet, because it's also kind of new, but. Um, nearby in this region, there have actually been some community mobilisations um, around legal cases, and these have been around um, the rights of nature, which is in Ecuador um, in the constitution. Um, biodiversity has constitutional rights, and this is a very interesting legal tool that is being used at the moment against a couple of mining co- other mining companies in that area. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I guess, you know, the, the horrendous human rights violations aside, I imagine uh, Rainforest Action Group and, of course, the local people that are resisting are also primarily uh, concerned with the impact it will have on the Ecuadorian environment. You mentioned at the start of this interview that a huge portion of Ecuador is uh, being set aside to mining concessions. Can you just talk, uh, I guess, a bit to that? What exactly is at stake here in terms of the potential impact on the Ecuadorian environment and and on the biodiversity and some of the endemic species that exist? Yeah, um, Ecuador's got some kind of parallels to Australia, I guess, in that it's got this really, really rich um, biodiversity and endemism of species, meaning that, you know, there's species that are found in, you know, one two-kilometre two square area <laughs> and nowhere else. Um, so, you know, they've got They've got the Ecuador actually is the world's richest biodiverse has the world's richest biodiversity in the world per hectare, um, given it's on the equator and has you know the Andes and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, so and the other parallel to Australia is that it's well, it, it, Ecuador actually has a, a much um, it's a high population of indigenous people. So indigenous rights are a big thing in Ecuador. Um, not that you know the government necessarily upholds those, and particularly not in the case of mining at the moment. But um, indigenous people do have a strong voice, and that's something that is being used not only as a legal tool but also as an example for other areas of the world where we've got this kind of land grabbing going on, which including obviously right here on this continent. So yeah. There's, there's a couple of main things there, culturally and biodiversity-wise, that are significant for Ecuador. I think fundamentally, Liz, these mining companies have acted with such impunity for so long that they really do feel like they can get away with anything. And this seems to be a very clear uh, cut case in that regard, uh, especially, you know, these sort of the human rights violations and just the, the amount of land they have access to. And, and often in many cases, and I'm sure in Ecuador, they often will get this land uh, relatively cheap cheaply and and you know and still exploit all of those resources to make a lot of money out of it what what do you think this kind of particular example says about the ways in which uh, mining companies are dealt with particularly australian mining companies and i guess particularly in this context where post sort of well not post but while we're dealing and recovering with the covid-19 crisis our federal government is really pushing uh, for this, you know, boom in the resources sector and, and giving many concessions to mining companies. And this seems to be happening everywhere in the world. Well, what do you think it says about our sort of our Australian and also our global relationship to these companies and just the insane levels of impunity that they are given? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it is insane. It's just, it's just sort of... Because particularly with this green resources boom, I mean, we've all got to get to net zero. Everyone's aware of the Paris Agreement, um, except, you know, maybe our government. Um, (laughs) But, you know, what what even our government agrees on is that um, how Australia is trying to meet um, net zero targets will be through the mining sector providing minerals, both in Australia and overseas, for the green, clean energy and renewable sectors, um, which we obviously need, you know, to to have renewables, but that comes at a massive price. And so it's really only starting to become on the radar of um, particularly sort of starting with activists, NGOs, local people on the ground going, oops, we've got mining companies coming in and 
suddenly grabbing our land um, and for these renewables. Um, and the problem is that the, the existing problem we have in Australia is that there is very little oversight for before for mining companies overseas. We've got a um, if you know an OECD national contact point where you can you know lodge a complaint against a company's actions, um, and and it can be measured against the OECD's guidelines for so responsible corporate <laughs> behaviour, basically. And these are you know. Okay, but they've got they've got very little teeth and certainly no legal teeth. Um, and you know, Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade are sort of guidelines as well. But really, um, a few colleagues. I'm part of a group of colleagues actually that we've been talking lately about the need for a kind of watchdog, um, particularly because the stuff in Ecuador is coming to a head now. Um, but it's obviously not just Ecuador; it's Papua New Guinea. It's <laughs> Um, you know, the Philippines, it's Malaysia. Um, yeah, um, to try and sort of map what is going to be happening over the next couple of years with you know where these companies are going, what impacts they're having um, in terms of human rights and the environment. Yeah, so it's kind of going to be a big job, I think. <laughs> totally. And I guess just finally, Liz, I guess talking about a big job, I mean, in regard to this particular uh, Hanrein uh, mining project in Ecuador, uh, it's quite difficult, I guess, for people over here in Perth to know exactly what they can do. But what what can people do in terms of trying to at least highlight the issue or, or try and do something to ensure that at least Hanrein knows that people are aware and, and do wish to stand in solidarity with the, the people that are being affected? Cool. Okay, so... We have, um, it, we, we're called the Rainforest Action Group. You can Google Rainforest Action Group and it will bring up our website. We've got all our media releases on there. Um, you can check out those media releases. Um, we also have a Facebook page called uh, Rainforest Action Group Melbourne slash NARM, N-A-A-R-M, which is the Indigenous name for Melbourne. Um so you can go on there. We've got we're always putting up social media. We just need people to keep sharing that social media. We don't have the, the human powers really to do a campaign on this at the moment. Um, all we're doing is just kind of putting up media releases, and we're just relying on we're just building our contacts at the moment. So if anyone has any contacts or they feel like um, getting in touch with us, just just you know send us a message. Um, and we also have a petition at the moment for the specific um, handline issue in um, Buenos Aires. So hop on our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, you'll find posts with this petition link, sign that. That'll go to the um, Ecuadorian uh, organisations that are trying to organise a more sort of na national um, profile for this issue. Yeah, and that's pretty much it at the moment. I mean, I wish we could say we had this massive campaign that people can join, but I think it really depends on other people's sort of, and particularly people in Western Australia, because most of the mining companies that are that we're dealing with are based in West Australia or have operations there. So we are really looking for allies, um, also stories of what these companies are doing in in. Western Australia within, you know, and um, on Aboriginal lands and, and other things so that we can tell the Ecuadorians that because 
you know, then they're armed with information that they can use as to how these mining companies operate. Mm. 